Thanks for downloading this IMSA radio podcast. podcast from the International Motorsports Association and Radio Show Limited. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission. The Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge on IMSA Radio. everybody and welcome along to a special program here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. It's the end of another fantastic season of IMSA broadcasting, all brought to you live and free on RS2, the home of IMSA Radio. Uh, and I'm delighted to say we're now going to look back on some of the championships that we've been covering this year. Helping me do that is uh, from uh, IMSA Radio, Shea Adam. Hello, Shea. Hello, John. Uh, what I'd like to do in, in this programme is have a look at the development series uh, and also have a look at the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. Uh, once again, we've had great racing all through the year, it should be said, but it would be remiss of us to even get started without mentioning the contribution that Continental has made to North American endurance and sports car racing in this IMSA era that has stretched across from the two series into the merged series and now into the new IMSA era. They're moving on to past years new. It'll be all changed for 2019. But my goodness me, they've left the paddocks around North America, I think, in a far better state than when they joined in. Yeah, well, even thinking back to 2013 when it was announced in the American Le Mans series that the prototype challenge class would be run on Continental tires, there was a bit of wondering, how is this going to pan out? What's this going to be like? And I think it's safe to say it was only good for that class and for many of the series that did switch on to Continental. They leave big shoes to fill, total pun intended, big, big tread to fill, I suppose. Big boots, yeah. Big boots. And uh, it's going to be a a real challenge for the new series uh, tire supplier Michelin to come in and, and supply for everybody because Continental has left so many people with a sense of satisfaction and a sense of loyalty and uh, they certainly will be missed in the paddock. Some good people as well who we yeah, have yeah. Uh, you know, have supported our broadcasts and getting the series out to the world. I, I, I remember Jeremy and I at the start of our tenure, um, after the merger, saying, you know, this Continental Tire Series is the best-kept secret in North America. Well, it wasn't a well-kept secret for very long because they made sure through streaming, through making sure that we were streaming live video of all of the races with no geoblocks, they made sure that it got out there to the masses. And, you know, that was part of, of their activation, which makes such a huge difference to all the competitors. It really does. When you can say, tune in anywhere around the world, live and free with video and audio at the same time, it really makes a difference when you're trying to sell a sponsor to say, hey, guess what? I'm going to be one of 29 cars in the field, but I guarantee you I'll get some screen time. That is something impressive. Uh, How important was it, do you think, Shea, that Continental were one of the brands that, that straddled both arms of North American sports car racing because you know 
some of our newer listeners might not realise. It was rather daggers drawn for quite a long time with Grand Am on one side of the divide and the American Le Mans series on the other. Continental bridged that gap and immediately they were brought together in the United Sports Car Championship made sure that they carried on with their commitment and they were one of the first brands to commit to that. Well, that that's a little bit of what I was saying with um, them coming into PC class back mm. in 2013. That was their foray into the American Le Mans series. They had been on the Grand Am side of things for quite some time. And there was not a great deal of animosity from the tire perspective. There were people who maybe wished that they had still been on what they were on but that feeling went away pretty quickly into the merger in 2014. And you started hearing fewer people reminiscing about the days of the past when perhaps they could choose whatever tire they wanted and planning for the future to try and help Continental develop a tire that would be better suited for their car. By the time Continental left at the end of this year, there were very few people grumbling in the paddock. Most people were grumbling about the fact that they were leaving. Yeah. Absolutely right. They've been very, very active talking to all of the stakeholders. We wish them well in everything they do as a company and as the individuals as well. Travis Roffler put together a very, very uh, ambitious, uh, uh, involved, immersed and enthusiastic set of people to, to work in the paddocks. And they'll be missed as, as individuals and many of them as friends as well. The 2018 season, uh, unique in Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge in that it was a three-class series. Uh, it will go back to two classes next year because we lose ST, um, another wave goodbye to what feels like old friends here. And the ST, the street tuner class, has been such a great servant of the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge in many guises down through the years. But the, the truth is that building a car from a street car now as a garageista, if you will, is just getting too difficult, too expensive and too complicated. It really is. But it, as you said, it, it's it's the grassroots of the sport. It, it really connects because anybody in theory can buy a car and turn it into a race car and go and run it in ST if it was the right model. And we still had families like the Riley family bringing their little Mazda MX-5 in to come and race. That's the sort of feeling that we love with sports car racing because everyone is included. So to bid farewell to the ST category after such a great year where we had three manufacturers battling it out and ultimately it came down to who finished in front of who at Road Atlanta as to who was the manufacturer's champion it just provided such great entertainment through the years as far as the drivers championship is concerned uh, it was a battle between really three groups well maybe four groups uh, of drivers Mark Pombo ended up in fourth position on 291 points everyone else over 300 points joint third the team of Jason Rabe and Max Faulkner on 301 second Matt Pombo and Mike Lamara on 311 11 points behind the eventual champions Nick Galante and Devon Jones the BMW was imperious throughout the year scored well pretty much every in a small but very competitive field, um, Nick, notable for the fact not only winning the championship but raising a huge amount of money uh, and awareness uh, for the very worthy cause of uh, Alzheimer's. 
Yes, and a two-time ST champion by the end of the year was Nick Galante because he had won it in 2016 driving with Spencer Pompelli. So a very big round of applause goes out to him for his on-track antics and his off-track as well when he talked to us about the uh, race to end ALZ.org uh, yeah, was the website where whatever you donated would be tripled and donated. So they wound up raising an insane amount of money for such a good cause. But between he and Devin Jones, they owned the podium position in terms of polls. They were only off the podium once this year, which is remarkable when you think about it. That was at Sebring. Yeah, so it was a long time ago. You have to go all the way back to March to remember the last time that those two didn't go home with some kind of a trophy. And they certainly earned their spot at the top of the charts all year. When they couldn't get a win, they would take the second or the third. And it was that consistency that got them the championship. Uh, is it fair to say that the minis, uh, Lewis Porokarp, he's done a great job with the minis. He, he came out yes. and drove at the end of the year, which was fantastic. He was terribly excited and nervous about that but I mean he's done a good job with that brand down through the years bringing it into this championship and that will be missed as well I should say but is it fair to say that once in a while the minis um, particularly at the end of the races seem to have some mechanical issues reliability issues or, or just bad luck and whilst mini nipped the BMW own a brand, if you like, uh, for the Manufacturers' Championship by just three points in that final race is, is what it all boiled down to. Uh, the, their drivers actually could have had a closer run to the championship if they had sometimes done the last five laps in the <coughs> position that they had been in at that point. Well, remarkable to think, Mini won five races this year. Sebring, Mid-Ohio, Watkins Glen, Lime Rock, and then the finale at Road Atlanta. The problem was that there were three of them. So inevitably, yeah. one of the minis would be winning and the other two would be either having a rough day or just not able to keep up. You think about Nate Norenberg and Derek Jones, two guys who I thought coming into the year were going to be championship contenders driving the number 37 mini. They didn't get a win. It no. was car 52 with Mark Pombo in it all year. And then he had different co-drivers. We had Colin Mullen come in starting at Mid-Ohio. Very impressive young man. And then the 73 mini, which turned out to be the one that swept away more of the wins, which was uh, Mike Lamara and uh, uh, Matt Pombo. The two of them had a much better year. The problem was, though, John, there were just too many minis. They they kept splitting up the wins between themselves and never really putting together that charge to take down the lone BMW in terms of drivers. Yeah, CTMP and uh, Daytona, their uh, worst results of uh, the season, Um, didn't have a great run at Watkins Glen either but a few extra points at the start of the season and in the middle of the season at Canadian Time Motorsport Park might have made it a little different for the 73 team which finished 11 points behind Bimmer World Racing who win the team's championship of honourable mention we should say to the 21 Porsche team uh, Body Motion Racing um, ultimately 21 points off the lead but they were ploughing their own furrow in a car that really was only suited to some of the tracks but when when they had a car that was good they regularly regularly got up onto the podium well and and the thing that strikes me the most about that body motion Porsche was my biggest memory of it coming throughout the year was at Lime Rock when it came back in very early on in the race with severe right front damage and they were using almost like a crowbar to try and pull the bodywork back out just to get it back out and running again 
they did win a race this year, keep in mind. They were given the Virginia International Raceway win when the mini that crossed the line first was ultimately disqualified at failed post-race tech. So Max Faulkner and Jason Rabe won a race, but they never got to stand on the top step of the podium all year. They did get that handful of trophies, but they never got to celebrate. And you've got to think that those two young men are thinking, man, if we could just have one more race, just yeah, one more one race more. on the year. Um, the uh, one young man who we have to talk about, in, in a field, by the way, that I, I hope we'll see a lot of these names back from 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 the ST category. And, you know, we've talked to them in the paddocks and, and on IMSA Radio, and it would seem that many of them are already making plans for next year. Colin Mullen, uh, who couldn't do the first two races at Daytona and Sebring because he wasn't old enough. So he had a zero score going into mid-Ohio and then scored well for the whole of the rest of the season, eventually amassing 203 points. Didn't race at Road Atlanta, of course, because he was off on Team USA scholarship duty having been uh, caught Jeremy's eye Jeremy Shaw's eye uh, whilst in the ST category now that's quite unusual Jeremy normally is looking at the single seater junior categories but Colin is clearly a real talent for the future no, he is. And, and a bit of uh, humor goes into the fact that he couldn't race at Daytona and Sebring because he wasn't yet 16 years old. Yes. Watkins Glen employs the exact same premises. Guess who won the race at Watkins Glen? Yeah, that did. would be Colin Mullen. Yeah, so yeah. it's a, an extra bit of a, a twist in the gut to say, hey, look what I can do at this track. Imagine what I could have done at the other two. Yeah, had he, had he been eligible. Very good. And, I, and I, already he was telling us, uh, on a recent midweek motorsport, he's getting ready, uh, in fact, probably around about the time we're talking now, to test a Honda TCR car for Lewis Pericarpi. And, and that's good news that Lewis and the the new team that Lewis is putting together likely to stay in the championship for next year. And, and that's what I, I've been seeing, Shea, about this ST category. It was small. It was yeah, could we have done with some more cars? Absolutely. But a lot of the teams that we saw last season or the season before the one that's just finished had already made the switch into other IMSA categories either within this championship or elsewhere. We haven't lost them and that's really good news for the sport. No, and, and we went from having a massive ST class, as you rightly said, a lot of the teams moving up into GT4 coming into this year. We had an average of five cars per event this year in ST, out of the minis, we know where they're going to be next year. Nick Galante told me at uh, Road Atlanta, the final round of the championship, that he will be back in some shape or form mm. next year in TCR or in GS. He wasn't ready to make the announcement yet. Good. And Body Motion already have a car running in GS, so it's not that much of a stretch to imagine that they will up the program to two. We're not going to lose anybody from ST. They've just shifted their prerogative. Uh, Colin Mullen gets my Rookie of the Year vote, um, A, because of his age, and B, because of his consistency once he was in the car. A lad who'd never raced front-wheel drive before this year and took to it uh, like, well, like a fish to water, to be honest. Who would, who, where was your performance of the season? It's hard to look past Ooh. the championship winners, but to be honest, there's many worthy candidates. Mm. 
I would say Devin Jones because he just sort of stealthed his way through the whole year. He got the polls. He was the closer on some weekends. He was the starter on others. Not to take anything away from Nick Galante because that guy knows how to pedal a car. And he's proven very well that if it's got a uh, sequential gearbox, he can handle that too. But Devin Jones, he's just the quiet, lanky kid in the background who somehow manages to come out on top. Yeah, it's such a great thing to see so many youngsters coming through the Connell Tire Sports Car Challenge for 2018 in ST. And of course, as the chequered flag fell at Road Atlanta at the end of the season, we were waving goodbye not just to Continental Tires and to the ST category, but to the stick shift. The last IMSA-sanctioned category with a stick shift. ST is no more. We wish everyone well and congrats to the winners uh, of... Drivers' Championship, Nick Gallant, uh, Nick Galante and Devin Jones. Uh, manufacturers going to be to BMW Mini by three points from BMW and Bimmer World uh, Racing taking the championship there after a uh, well a, a, a fantastic season from all of uh, those guys, and we hope to see those guys back through a two thousand and. 19. Uh, you're listening to a special programme on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. I'm John Hindoff. Shea Adam of IMSA Radio is joining us as we are looking back principally on the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge from 2018, but also at some of the development series. And uh, before we move on to TCR, let's uh, take a break from Continental Tire uh, Sports Car Challenge and go to the IMSA Prototype Challenge presented by Mazda, also running on Continental Tires. And again, straight away, we've got to say we're waving goodbye to some solid servants in this category because this was the last year, share of the open-top Elan Mazda four-cylinder cars, which have been brilliant down through the years and have given the bigger-engine cars in the last couple of seasons a run for their money on more than one occasion. Yeah, they're good through the twisty bits, John, that's oh, are, for they sure. They certainly are. Had to be slowed These... down, let's not forget. Yeah, they did, they did. These cars are the cars that we can credit in introducing us to drivers such as Misha Goikberg, Tristan Nunez, Sean Rahal. Mm. We've had such great champions come through the years. Uh, talking to Kenton Cook in the recent past where he said that these cars were the most fun race cars that he was ever allowed to drive because yep. they are just so connected to you. There is nothing between you and the engine and the ground, and it is just where we see people really perfect the art and the skill of driving. And the championship this year, coming down to the last race of the season, we had seven different people who were able to win the championship. It was fantastic. And in the end, by just a couple of points over Tassio Otis and Bart Wolf, uh, John Brownson took the championship by dint of his road Atlanta result. It all changed around because he dropped behind uh, at VIR. Stephen Dawes uh, was right in it as well to the end. Just another point further back. Three points further back from that. Howard Jacobs took fourth place in the championship. Dave House was another two points further back in fifth. And Paul Lahir just another single point back in sixth position. An extraordinary, an extraordinary close round which really just proved how close that championship was for the whole year starting off at Daytona running through Sebring, Barber, CTMP VIR and then finishing of course at Petit Le Mans Road Atlanta 
Yeah, and John Brownson, uh, seeing him at the banquet when they were awarding him the champion, just that two-point margin, which he claimed by taking his first win of the year, the man with more starts than anyone else in this series. And that will stand because we've gone from having about 14 races a year to, as you just said, six. He will not ever lose that title. He said he's going to keep coming back, though, to keep adding on to that start tally. Lovely way to finish the season. Congratulations to uh, the 34 team of Eurosport Racing who mirror the driver's result with that two-point advantage over Wolf Motorsports in second. Uh, We talked about how this championship shirt has... uh, brought along drivers it's brought along teams as well performance tech uh, in there with three cars over the state uh, over the, uh, the the season as a whole I mean you know this is this has been a breeding ground for talent right throughout the paddock not just behind the wheels Oh, yeah. JDC Miller Motorsport has run cars. Well, JDC Motorsport has run cars in this series. Uh, Don't forget that John Bennett got his start running in this season, too. So Core Autosport ran this series. It it really is a great stepping stone. And I have no doubt we're going to see even more of these teams, especially the ones running an LMP3, making the jump up to perhaps an LMP2 car someday. Yes, and that's the whole point of these development series. And we're talking, of course, about the IMSA Prototype Challenge presented by Mazda. The Mazda engine four-cylinder cars, the Alain chassis, great car, loads of downforce. Jeremy and I are always very envious when we see those cars being thrown around the tight and twisty circuits. Next year, it's all P3, which was the uh, introduction of the LMP3 chassis. Uh, We had a variety of chassis over the last couple of years. It's kind of settled settled down just a a little bit. Uh, The big V8 Gibson-engined machines sound fantastic, and they're pretty impressive-looking cars as well. Uh, This championship, again, pretty hard-fought and had a phenomenal... uh, uh, roll call of drivers, including at various stages of the season, people dropping in like Andy Pilgrim, Shane Lewis, Trent Hinman, uh, Matt Bell, uh, James Maguire, Nick Johnson, uh, Steve Simpson, um, various people, uh, Roman DeAngelis jumped in, Jan Halen was there for a couple of races as well. Now, they weren't always full season entrants, but the guys who ran the full season gave us plenty of excitement. Uh, The format, of course, settling in now to this longer race, which the teams asked for, Shea, uh, starting at Daytona, and it went very, very well indeed. Seemed as though everybody liked the longer race rather than the two short ones. It did. And with the mandatory pit stop time being put in place, it it took that element of uh, risk out. So you weren't worried about trying to get your driver change done in a certain amount of time. That amount of time, though, is changing for the 2019 season. But that's something we'll talk about in in a preview, not a review. Um, You mentioned all those great drivers, the names that we had as the secondary drivers, if you will. But in the Masters Championship, where it was all about the primary driver of a certain vintage, as I like to say, it was Cameron Castles who snuck through the guy who drove the season entirely by himself, save for one round at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, came through to claim the championship ahead of guys who had the hired gun talent with them in the car. Isn't that great, though? Isn't that great that that can be done? You know, Cameron is a very, very competent driver. uh, And, you know, hey, one for the old guys. I was up cheering for that. But that all turned around. uh, I mean, it it looked... uh, 
pretty tight between him and Rob Hordes and Jim Garrett for most of the season. Joel Janko uh, in there as well. Uh, but it, 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 it all looked like it had gone away for Cameron at, at VIR um, when Rob Hordes got the Hordes got the better result. But basically, a horrible road Atlanta for Rob and Cameron Castles doing what he needed to do and taking the top uh, the top step of the podium in the Masters. I mean, what was it? Four points? Four points, yeah, at the end of the of a really hard-fought season. And it all went wrong for Rob right off the start of the race at Road Atlanta. So it was a long race for Rob to think about the fact that the championship was disappearing. But all credit goes to Cameron. He needed to win the race in order to have enough of Any a buffer. Chance. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. That's exactly what he did. So he was a very ecstatic Canadian at the end of the season and have no doubt that he'll be back for 2019. He's even gone so far as to say, OK, I've won the Masters, but now I'm aiming for the overall championship. And that in itself is a very different kettle of fish. Rob Hordes uh, with 167 points was actually tied on points with Jim Garrett. But on countback, he gets second in the championship with Jim third. Joel Janko in fourth in the top six made up by Dean Baker and Lance Wilsey uh, in the Masters uh, category. As far as the overall championship uh, is concerned, I- I'm not sure that the gap at the end really tells the full story because Chris Wright uh, comes away with a 20-point victory over Austin McCusker uh, and then another uh, 11 points back to Max Hanratty uh, in third position. But, you know, it's only a couple of races. You've got to look at uh, Barber for Austin McCusker. Exactly. That was That was... I mean, that was the turning point of his season. And he was leading the race when conditions got pretty bad at Barber and his car wound up basically undrivable. Uh, I can't remember if it was a DNF ultimately at the end of the day, but I remember it went from being a very good points day to a very bad points day. And you look at that 20 points difference at Barber. 20 points difference in the championship between Chris Wright and Austin McCusker. If that had even been a second place finish for McCusker to yes. Chris Wright and Jan Claret, who went on to win the race, it would have been a three point difference in the championship. Yeah. I mean, fairness, he bounced back brilliantly and won at the next race yeah. at CTMP. But the damage was done there. It meant he couldn't have any other slip ups and he lost 10 points uh, on a swing to Chris Wright at VIR. Another rain race. Another rain affected race. Exactly what I was going to say. So Chris Wright came into Road Atlanta knowing that he didn't even have to win the race. He basically just had to keep Austin McCusker in sight, which is exactly what he did. Yeah, and uh, Chris Wright, who had many different co-drivers over the course of the year, started off at Daytona with Daniel Morad, remember? He got two third-place finishes, two second-place finishes, and two wins on the year. He never finished off the podium. So for Chris Wright and the ESM team, it really was a dream season. So that means a Ligier triumphed over a Norma in terms of the Drivers' Championship. Yeah, very good. Extreme Speed Motorsports first and third in the team's championship with uh, 40 seven motorsports sitting sitting in second but to Shea's point from earlier on um, we've got performance tech in there we've got uh, P1 motorsport in there as well who ran cars over the season uh, as well and you know it looks strong for 2019 and the format which one or two people Lifted an eyebrow at, and I'll remind everyone, it was the teams that drove that change, not IMSA. Uh, they asked IMSA if they could have longer races, and 
Imza sort of, okay, yeah, well, if that's, that's what you want, fellas. And that's basically what happened. And I think it's become a bit of a, a fan favourite as well, that, uh, that, longer, that longer event. For sure. And like I said, we'll see a slightly different change, mostly because we won't have the MPC cars in 2019. So drivers will no longer have to get out of their cars and over the wall during pit stops. That was a big thing this year. Yes. And it was that was a safety thing because the uh, refueling was going on with open topped cars in the pit lane. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So there will be a shift in that. But again, I don't think we're going to see that many teams disappearing when we lose the Mazda class. And by the way, a shout out to Mazda. Thank you. We're also losing them as a power plant supplier. They have been tried and true in this series. So big round of applause to them. That's a very good point, uh, actually. We're going to see a lot of the drivers who were in MPC popping up and troubling the top of the charts in LMP3 next year. You're listening to a special programme on the Radio Show Limited network of channels. The voice you just heard was Shea Adam, of course, from IMSA Radio. I'm John Hindorf. We're looking here principally at the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge, but dropping into a couple of the development series for IMSA as well. Uh, let's get back to the Continental Tires Sports Car Challenge and to the new class for 2018, TCR. Now, Anywhere between 5 and 10 of these factory-built racing cars turning up on any given weekend. And safe to say, if we're talking about the P3s making an impact making an impact with the fans both at the track and further afield here, the TCR cars did exactly the same. And not just with the fans, but also with the teams in the paddock. Um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about who else we might see in 2019. But my goodness me, what great racing we had from these cars, I have to say particularly the golf, looked a little incongruous when I first saw them on the high banks of Daytona, <laughs> but became one of my favourite things to watch across an IMSA weekend. Yeah, you were terrified that they were going to just tip over. Exactly right. I remember that. It uh, just no, looked were... wrong. It looked wrong. I was, I was sitting on the golf cart uh, in between <laughs> NASCAR 1 and 2 and thought, what's uh... that going to... What's he doing up there like that? Oh, my goodness. I, I, I really... I, I thought they looked great. The the body designs of the cars. TC, obviously, not, not new, but new to IMSA. Uh, and IMSA sweating the asset of being involved with TCR and TCR International. I, I think they've done a great job with it. And I'm hopeful that we'll get more than a dozen full-season entries next year possibly even more than 15 we'll talk about that perhaps uh, in a moment for the most part share it was Audi's Audi have done a great job uh, Audi Sport customer racing in the US uh, with uh, uh, the guys in based in Washington and using the encyclopedic knowledge of Brad Kettler's organization as support basically did a really good job of getting their cars out there Well, Audi won every single race on the season, so there is that. And yes, there were some races where we didn't have the Volkswagens out there, but they were there by and large. The Compass Racing team started off the year so strong that you had to know that Brad Kettler was just sort of sitting back there stroking his chin going, yeah, this will work. And by the way, he helped with the Volkswagens too, so it's not like he... It's not like he was completely rooting for the Audis, but when you see teams like Compass Racing who have run in the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge for such a long time with so many different cars, you saw them roll up and their familiar livery was on Audi TCR cars. It sort of went, yeah, that'll work. Yeah. And man, it did. The uh, the season belonged to 
uh, to Compass, in fairness. Um, a team that are no stranger to IMSA competition at various different levels, who have raced touring car style cars as well as GT style cars in the past and Carl Thompson's organisation we've always known have been particularly well organised. They have a bit of a penchant for Audis in the last few years. Remember they took the RS3, the first two RS3s that were delivered to a showroom in uh, anywhere in Canada, took them off the showroom floor and turned them into ST cars in the Conti <laughs> series, let's not forget. So the opportunity to have an RS3 as a factory-built race car was one that Carl felt he couldn't pass up. And his reward on the season, first, second and fourth in the championship. And it was one place. They needed one more place out of Roy Block and Pierre Kleinerbing at the Road Atlanta round to get up to tied for third, which would have put them into third in the championship. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it was the E-Euro parts team playing a bit of a spoiler with Kieran O'Rourke and Lee Carpentier. Uh, but Carl wanted nothing more than his team to finish first, second and third. He was OK, though, with that first and second. Yeah, absolutely. Tom Long and Britt Casey Jr. were a solid pairing right yeah. the way through the season. Uh, Kuno Whitmer, and for me, one of the pleasant surprises of the year, Rodrigo Sales. Didn't know too much about Rodrigo before this year. I do now. What I know is he's a solid driver, and mo- I mean, Kuno, you expect, as soon as you see the Whitmer name on a car, you expect that car to, because Kuno is a very good setup man, very good driver. So you expect the car to be consistent. You expect the car to be set up in a good way. Rodrigo came in and really impressed me. No, I would agree with that entirely. The the bit of um, irony is that if I tell you that Britt Casey Jr. and Tom Long won 10 hours worth of Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge races this year. You would assume that they won five races. They didn't because they won at Daytona and Watkins Glen, which were the two four-hour contests. And then they won at uh, WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. So they had a very solid year. It was Kuno Whitmer and Rodrigo Salas, though. They won, by and large, very much earned they they won at road america that was a very strong showing on both rodrigo and kuno's parts but when you think about their win at sebring it came at the expense of their teammates when it was a fuel pickup issue with the championship winning car uh on the back straight on the last lap so they inherited that win sort of on luck and then at mid ohio tom long passed kuno whitmer on the last lap but he passed under a local yellow, so it was taken away. And then Whitmer and Salas got the win. So it's a bit interesting when you look back and sort of dissect things on how the championship was won between the two teammates. And really, at the end of the day, Kuno and Rodrigo really got one race where they solidly ran away from everybody, but everything else was really tight. And, you know, ultimately... um well, I, I should say, by the way, another driver who impressed me was Roy Block, who uh, has been around for a, a little while, but again, more than held uh, his he- end up with uh, another well-known uh, and and absolutely known quantity in Pierre Kleinubing. Um, yeah. a, a couple of words for people further down the, the championship. No points in either of the first two races for uh, Stephen Simpson and Michael Johnson. And that was because yeah. of a, a really horrible incident that happened to Michael. Now, for many people, I'm sure will know this now, but Michael is, uh, is paralysed from the chest down after a motorcycle accident some years ago. But that hasn't stopped him and his competitive instinct. But he had a testing crash where he broke his leg pretty badly. But of course, being paralysed, he didn't know how bad it was. And that kept them 
him getting fixed up and the car getting fixed up out of the first couple of rounds of the season. And yet they still finished equal fifth uh, on 247 points. And, you know, it's that's great for me to see that particular duo finally getting some consistency. Michael has to drive with hand controls, obviously, and has been trying over the last, what, couple of three seasons, here to find a formula that fits. And it appears that they've got it right in being able to combine those hand controls with the Audi TCR car. Well, how about that win at Lime Rock this year, John? The the end of the race battle between Steven Simpson and Kenton Cook, but Michael becoming the first winner in the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge, where it was just such an emotional end of the race. The look on his face to realize that he's gone from 10 years ago riding a motorcycle and having that terrible accident to being a race winner in a TCR car. The first non-compass win of the year went to he and Steven Simpson and their whole JDC Miller Motorsport crew. It was such an emotional day. And to think back on it, you can't help but, but get a little bit choked up. And then to think... They'll be back next year. They always come back. And now that they've perfected this system where they were able to get quite a few podiums on the air as well as that win, you've got to be thinking that having missed the two races, they're going to be up there in the championship next year. Don't even. I mean, when we get around to the preview um, shows for this next year, it is literally throw a dart at the dartboard. I haven't got (laughs) a clue. Although I suspect that a pair of names that we'll be talking about, if they are still together, will be Kenton Cook and Tom O'Gorman. Tom, I mean, they didn't uh, feature at Daytona, Sebring, Mid-Ohio or CTMP, uh, of course. And uh, Tom... I mean, he just immediately established himself uh, as the qualifying master, um, yeah. of, often only taking one flying lap. It started start became a, a badge of, of honour to him that he only needed one flying lap to completely demoralise a very good field. Where was it? There's maybe Road America where he needed two laps and he was embarrassed about it even. <laughs> I mean, five poles in six races is phenomenal. And Tom was a name that other paddocks are really familiar with. Man, did he make a loud announcement on the scene in IMSA. He will be back next year. We don't know in what capacity, though. And I've heard a rumor that it's going to be in a different, uh, different form. Right, so not necessarily in TCR in Con- in what was this year was Conte. Well, there there might be a factory logo on his chest oh. next year, John. Well, you yeah. know what? You know, you look at some of the drivers here. You know, look at Tom Tom Long, Kuno Whitmer, um, certainly uh, Pierre Kleinerbing. All of these guys have had associations with manufacturers in the past. Um, Kenton as well, of course, with the the Mazda scholarships. Tom O'Gorman for me. Um, you know, in the short amount of time that he was in the championship, just on half of the the races, a little bit over that, he made a real statement. Uh, I will, I would like to mention the the Rumberg team as well, Tanner and Luke Rumberg, uh, Donnystuck and Mikey Taylor as well. Uh, not out for the uh, full championship, those guys necessarily, but those guys, you know, uh, towing the water and more people to come for next year. I mean, Jeremy and I had one of. His old uh, scholarship guys, actually, in the booth, <laughs> in the booth at WeatherTech Raceway uh, at uh, Laguna Seca. Uh, yep. 
talking about coming in with Hyundai uh, uh, for next year, and and that will add another manufacturer with the Hondas we're expecting to see from Lewis Perigarpi as well. One of his old scholarship guys. I'm sure that's a perfect way for him to be described. Yes, Brian Herta planning to come into the series, perhaps with a pair of Velosters. That would just be awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's going to be. A crazy year for TCR 2019. It's a big year for IMSA as a whole with the 50th anniversary. And I think TCR is going to put on quite the show. Well, you know, if we look at, again, this is not a preview uh, show, but if we look at at the cars that IMSA allow in, they've got to be available in the uh, US in some form, or at least the manufacturer has. So we've got Audi and VW, of course. Alpha with the Giulietta. We saw that uh, doing the test uh, at the end of 2017, of course. Honda, Hyundai, Kia, um, Subaru. All have cars that are available uh, and and potentially could be in the the championship. Uh, there's a, a hint that well, but there's certainly people who have run Fords in the past in the shape of Focus uh, uh, STs and TCR. There's even been Mercedes Benz run, uh, not in the stage yet, an A45 and an A250 uh, as well. So those cars could potentially uh, be, make. Uh, make a bit of a, a splash here. Um, I, I didn't ask you for your uh, your driver in the uh, prototype challenge uh, categories, which I, I, I was remiss of me. My apologies. But hard to go past John Brownson in, in terms of what he did in his category and presumably Cameron Castles in his category. I would thoroughly agree with both of those with uh, an honourable mention for Dr. Masson, who never gave up in the MPC category and uh, had a couple of strategy calls that went awry for him in that car. For the overall championship, oh, I would go with McCusker just because of the sheer bullheadedness he displayed where he never gave up even after that barber incident early on in the season and as far as tcr is concerned where where was where was the shining lights from i mean i've, I've mentioned half the field to be honest and, <laughs> you know all of those uh, certainly for me uh, what what went on in the mid pack with michael johnson and stephen simpson uh, there was a lot of emotion as well as a lot of great racing there tom o'gorman kenton cook who you know established himself uh, and adapted to to front wheel drive but are you looking at the sharp end of the field for for your driver of the year I'm not looking beyond Tom Long because he and Britt Casey Jr. both, they had one of those seasons where it was the highest of highs at Daytona and then quite literally the lowest of lows at Sebring when they ran out of fuel or had had that issue on the backstretch. They kept pushing. They kept trying. And by the time they had gotten through WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, it looked good because they had a points lead, but they knew that anything could happen. It was ultimately their teammate, uh, Rodrigo Salas, who had the off at Road Atlanta fairly early on, damaging the car and not being able to finish. That meant that all they needed to do was bring the car home, but they still pushed toward the end of the race to try and get another win. And that is Tom Long in a nutshell. Uh, Well, round up our Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge look back at 2018 with the GS, the Grand Sport category. But whilst we've got sheer Adam from IMSA Radio on the line here. 
uh, as in this special Radio Show Limited uh, look back at the IMSA Development Championships as well for 2018. Let's uh, move across to the Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge USA by Yokohama. You can't have an IMSA weekend really without Porsches <laughs> and the firing up of those flat sixes often as an oh. early morning race and they're crackling through the stillness of a race day morning is something that certainly gets my heart pumping a little bit quicker. Uh, the two categories this year were the uh, gold class for the Generation 1 cars, the platinum class for the Gen 2 cars, a little bit extra power, slightly different aero, uh, new dash, the uh, access hatch in the roof, one or two bits and pieces that Porsche had uh, uh, added in, having learned from their other categories. Let's start with GT3, because one of the performances of this year in any of the IMSA categories for me uh, and we'll start with the overall I'll, I'll talk about the, the masters and the um, I talk about the the teams uh, at the championship rather at the moment but Victor Gomez um, was just absolutely outstanding the one blot on the landscape was the very bizarre um, incident at Road America where the car just seemed to cut out on him he pulled up just beyond the pit lane exit uh, full course caution and the pace car came out and basically pushed every button he could, got it restarted again. But really, other than that, that was the only slight blot on the landscape. 529 points his haul for the season. 472, Rob Furriol, who himself was well ahead of 439 and Kurt Fazekas. Now, in fairness, second race at VIR was the problem for, for Kurt. But, I mean, in any other year, Rob Furriol would have thought that kind of gap back to the next person. He's surely going to win the championship. And frankly, he was nowhere in sight because Victor was just that good in Gold Cup this year. And, and another uh, benefit for Victor Gomez of being forced back into the gold category and running an older car when he damaged the Gen 2 car at Sebring last year on yeah. the first weekend and then moved back into the gold championship. If he'd pushed every button in the Gen 2 car, he would have hit the eject button and gone out the escape hatch. That's so it's a, a really point. good thing yes. that he was still in the gold category. But yeah, one weekend on the year where Victor Gomez did not bring home a first place trophy. That was Road Atlanta. Ultimately, he did bring home the first place trophy though because that was the championship weekend yeah. so for victor gomez a very solid performance for the young puerto rican and rob ferriel as you rightly say he would have been very happy with his resume at the end of the year and he should be happy with it he should come back next year and try again because his gap to kurt physicus was impressive but kurt had a few more up and down weekends he, he had that uh non-finish at virginia that really cost him in the championship, but our gold category, it's so much fun to watch. Uh, you've got to feel for Rob Furriel, as I say, because he did not have a bad season, but when you've got Victor uh, sweeping the weekends with two yeah. wins at Sebring, uh, a win, uh, by, as you say, a win everywhere except at uh, Road Atlanta, uh, but double wins at Mid-Ohio as well as VIR and Sonoma. I mean, he, he was on at one stage a, a, a four, uh, a five-race winning streak before he came to Road Atlanta was Victor. I, I, I feel for Rob, uh, and I hope Rob comes back. Uh, some great people in the gold category. Fourth place for Bill Smith, doughty competitor, um, had an awful first race uh, at uh, Road Atlanta, uh, was involved uh, as well in a, a couple of other people's accidents through the year, but 
it was nice to see Bill out for the uh, Greg Palmer, Eduardo de Leon uh, didn't do the full season. Neither did Sebastian Carrazo, but when he was there, he was competitive. Um, some great guys. And Wayne Decote, he picks the races that he comes to. Uh, but I love know, Wayne. But it's great to have him back. And David, of course, he comes back normally only for Road Atlanta. Came back again and featured again. We had some great battles in, in the gold category this year. Yeah, and, and mentioning Gold and Road Atlanta, it would be remiss to say, Jonathan Ziegelman, please come run a full season oh, next yes. year. Two starts, two wins. He was the only one who consistently took down Victor Gomez. So 100% if we get record. That, exactly. If we get that champion livery back again next year, I think he might be a contender for the championship. Uh, as far as GT3 teams were concerned, NGT uh, had the advantage over Kelly Moss Road and Race ahead of TPC in third, Top Racing in fourth, and JTX in fifth. Those were the five... To, well, JDX didn't quite do the full season in gold, did they? But the top four yeah. did uh, pretty much the full season. And, you know, those are the powerhouse teams. And we'll hear from uh, those. We'll hear about those guys in the platinum class as well. Let's start with the uh, the Masters category. And that actually was, again, I mean, last year, the Masters category was close. It was close again. Uh, David Baker, Mark Cavami battling for third and fourth for most of the season. Charlie Look right in there, right to the end of the season. And once again, a championship that went out of the window for the championship leader coming into Road Atlanta weekend. It's just bonkers. When you when you try and write this script and send it to Hollywood, they would say, nah, it could never happen. Not realistic. Alan Metney who, remember, is a retired skydiver. He was one of the elite guys in the country, owns the iFly organization that you see all around now, indoor skydiving. He decided to start racing in 2016. He is a champion in 2018. That is an impressive resume. Yeah. A reminder, of course, that the Masters uh, can use the ABS braking system that's available, and uh, and, and the, all the guys we've mentioned uh, did. But Charlie really must be cursing his bad luck uh, because he came in with an advantage to uh, Road America. He'd been trimmed a little bit, had finished behind Alan at Sonoma before Road Atlanta. But that first race, if anything could go wrong for Charlie, it did in that first race. And that it seemed to me that he lost a bit of confidence after that first outing at Road Atlanta. Yeah, he still bounced back to a third-place finish, but the problem was Metney winning three of the last four races of the season really put his championship swing into effect. And when you give somebody the momentum of winning versus the momentum of, well, I'm hanging on, it's always going to go in the favour of the person who's on the upswing. Yeah, and and in fairness, Charlie had his good run, Sebring, two wins at Barber uh, in the category, and then another win at Road America. But it just didn't come right for him, as I say, in that first race. David Baker, doughty competitor. We've talked about him for a few years. Uh, Third place in the championship. At the start of the season, if you'd offered David third in the championship, he might have taken it in the Masters category. But um, I think he might feel, looking at his results, got the win at uh, Sonoma, uh, he might feel that there was a little bit more left on the table there for him. David's been in this series for a very long time. So the third place finish at Masters, he got a, a trophy at the championship banquet. He got 
a win on the year, it's a perfect springboard for him going into 2019. And he's the type of guy who will always come back. He will always keep trying. So for him, 2018, really good season. He's already thinking about next year. Fourth place for Mark Varme. No wins on the season. Fred Podad uh, took... Uh, a win at the second race at VIR. He was in fifth. Michael Levitt has got a couple of wins on the season. VIR and then at the start of the season at uh, Sebring. Uh, thought that rounded up the top six. Hope we see some of those guys back uh, next year. That's the in the uh, Masters category in Platinum. Platinum being, of course, for the, the newer of the cars, the Gen 2 version of the cars. Now, in the overall championship, it was, I suppose, almost a story of two halves of the season in terms of who was writing the headlines. Um, a cracking battle, and we've we've said this for a while, Sheer, That one, I mean, one of the things I love about the IMSA Porsche GT3 Cup USA by Yokohama is the balance that we've got between guys, many of whom we've just talked about, who still race purely for the love of the sport and the love of that flat-six Porsche engine, and guys who are looking at this as a stepping stone, a springboard to a career. And the guys at the sharp end of the platinum field were all in the second category. Young chargers who clearly have a future in the sport. And if you look... I mean. Charlie Look, by the way, who we've just mentioned, Charlie Look was sixth in the overall championship. Sixth in the overall championship. A, a, a remarkable run uh, for Charlie. Um, but if you look at fifth, Anthony Imperato. Fourth, Max Maxwell Root. Third, the German driver, David Kolkman. Second, Roman De Angelis. And Trenton Estep taking uh, the championship on 499. All of those drivers you'd expect to see somewhere in the sports car paddock over the season. But we can't talk about those young charges without talking about the man who ultimately finished up in 12th position, but won, uh, what, seven out of the last eight races. And the only reason he didn't well. win the other one was he actually crossed the line, uh, but the car wasn't set up correctly and he was... Uh, uh, excluded from the results or pushed down the results, should we say, uh, after post-race tech. And that's Zachary Robichon. Uh, he finishes in 12th with 265 points, having completely dominated from when he came into the series uh, from Road America onwards. So 265 points out of doing half the races, double yeah, that, that. Mm. and he wins the championship. Oh, and we should say that was Will Hardiman's car that he took over. Will yes. uh, wasn't able to complete the season, the Texan driver, uh, because of some uh, family uh, uh, family bits and pieces that he had to take care of. And we wish him all the best. And hopefully we'll see him back because he'd just been hitting his straps, actually, and starting to get some good results. And in fact, had won the, yes. uh, the second race at Sebring earlier uh, in the year and had some really good results. So it was a shame that he couldn't close out the season. I kind of felt a little bit sorry for David Colkman, for Roman De Angelis, for Max Rood, for even for Trent and Estep. Trent will be happy. He's got himself a nice new Porsche with the champion's uh, inserts in the uh, oh, in the you kick plate. Give him the seat, the keys back. Yeah, I did. I Aww. had to. I was told I had to. Um, but I kind of felt sorry for them because the whole second half of the season uh, was really belonged uh, to Zachary Robichon, who, by the way, won 
the North, the Northern Territories, if you will, the, the Canadian version of this championship, the Ultra 94 Championship, the IMSA Run Championship. Uh, and, and for a while, he was the man, if you talked about Porsche GT3, for the second half of the season, it was all about Zachary Robichaud. Well, yeah, if you were looking at the head of the field, it was Zachary Robichaud leading and then everybody else. So there was that nice pause of a gap that Robichaud established over the rest of the competition. I feel bad for Roman DeAngelis more so than anyone else because he finished second in the U.S. championship and second in the Canadian yes, championship to Robichon. So he was quite uh, used to seeing the backside of Robichon's car this year. <laughs> and they did have a lot of good battles throughout the year, especially in Canada. There were quite a few moments where it looked like DeAngelis was going to finally break through. And then Robichon just engaged the uh, banana button on his car and, and all of a sudden DeAngelis dropped back a little bit. But for Trenton Estep, at the end of the day, he got accomplished this year what he was trying to do last year, which was the championship with JDX. And so Jeremy Dale and his organization, big round of applause for them. Yeah. The driver who was most impressive to me, though, would be David Kolkman, because yes. the German came over not knowing any of the tracks. He wound up winning a couple of the races on the year. That was very impressive. And that took Park Plate more. Park Place Motorsports to fourth place uh, in their championship winner Barber uh, in fine style actually for David Colkman and uh, also uh, won at uh, Mid-Ohio uh, so that was interesting, actually, because they're two similar similar circuits. Uh, had podium positions in a number of other races as well. Wright Motorsports, uh, an, another one of the big teams in this championship. Second, uh, sorry, third in the team's championship. Kelly Moss Road and Racing second, but JDX Racing, uh, as you mentioned, uh, was the team champion. You'd mention honourable mentions as well for more speed, top racing, TPC and NGT Motorsport. Not the powerhouse they used to be, NGT, but not running quite as many uh, cars either. Uh, what do we expect to see then from Trenton Estep, from Roman DeAngelis, from David Colkman, from Max Root, and from Anthony Imperato? There must be, I mean, and, and, and the reason I say this is there was an awful lot, there were an awful lot of races where there were an awful lot of people from other IMSA championships standing watching either on the video or on the pit wall at what these young lads were doing. Well, Estep as championship winner can no longer race in the series anymore, so he has to move on. I would expect Angelus, Kulkman, Root, Imperato for sure to come back and have a go at winning the Platinum Championship. Uh, Anthony Imperato, he's a guy who has been impressive in practicing and qualifying for a couple of years now where his name has popped up at the top of the charts right at the end. He's managed to put together really fast sectors. He's been in the series for quite some time. He'll be back to try and win it. Maxwell Root, who is the Hurley Haywood scholarship winner this year. I would imagine he will be back again with Wright Motorsport. David Kolkman. Now he knows all the tracks. Now the hard part is done. Now he just needs to go out there and win it. The rest of them aside from Barber and mid and Roman DeAngelis, he is so young still. He's only 17 years old. He won the first uh, IPC race this season, remember this year, at the Roar. He's still looking to try and get more wins south of the border in the Porsche series, having only gotten one this year. I would imagine he will be a very strong contender for 2019. Uh, that was the surprise for me, not the way that Roma, Roman drove, the fact that he only had one race on the season uh, that he won. Uh, Trenton had, what, a couple uh, of race wins, three race wins, excuse me. But then again, ah, go on, carry two on. Two for Roman, sorry. Two, was it two? 
Yeah, it was uh, Watkins, the first race. Oh, yes, race. of course. Yeah, of and course. Barber. Sorry. Sorry, Walker my bad. Barber. No, no. That, but even so, you know, uh, when you look at it, in terms of the person who crossed the line first, um, take away that disqualification, or forget that at the moment, for uh, Zachary Robichon, he won half the races. Yeah. He, he won all of the races. He crossed the line first in pretty much all the races that he entered. Uh, and, you know, everyone else had to make up the rest so they were spread between people um, I, I hope Roman uh, he's been disappointed a couple of times um, in this championship I hope he does come back or at least I hope he's looking for something I mean you've got to think of maybe Continental Tyre as it will be Michelin Pilot next year or GT Daytona in the WeatherTech Championship for some of these guys as well even if they're only at the longer races to, uh, to get themselves a bit of experience that might not be a bad career step for these guys well, we know that uh, Zachary Robichon will be doing the short races, the Sprint Cup, next year with uh, FAF. They have announced that program coming into fruition. As for the rest of them, we, we don't really know what shape it will take yet. But for Roman, I would expect, especially being at the GT3 banquet at the end of the year, remember back to Sebring. There was a controversial move made between Estep and DeAngelis going into seventeen. He's going to be happy to not see the black and gold Porsche next to him next year at the start of the race. That's Shea Adam as we're looking back at IMSA for 2018. That was the IMSA Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge USA by Yokohama. Uh, and congratulations uh, for another fabulous season of entertainment from the single make Porsche category. We're left with just the top class in the IMSA Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge, the final year of Continental support of this very important series. Remember, it's not that long ago when we were down to very low single figures of the top class, the Grand Sport category. IMSA took the bull by the horns and against some people's thoughts, people very vociferous about bringing the GT4 category in uh, as the new GS category, and it has paid off. And Shea, before we even talk about the season, um, it's been a couple of years now that GT4's been in the, uh, has been GS. And it's paid off and it's paid off in spades. Yeah. Well, remember back uh, 2015, we had four GS cars, or 2016, we had four GS cars running in Canada for our race. This year, again, it was the low car count with only 19 only it was fantastic in terms of the championship well, we were sometimes we were closer to 30 than we were well, yeah you know i mean it was an ex- it's been an extraordinary turnaround in a, i mean in a very short time in in motor racing terms they're excellent cars they are so good to work on they're driver friendly they're not as expensive as the gt3 but they are almost as fast and they are fantastic racing machines so why would you not want to bring a gt4 car run in the top category be the overall winner of something it has proven to be what people want and Eight different manufacturers with Chevrolet coming back for the last three races with the glorious Camaro uh, and, and when well done to Robert Liddell for being a part of bringing those cars uh, back uh, to the competition. Chevrolet running from eighth up to first in the manufacturer championship. Chevrolet, Aston Martin in seventh. McLaren only in sixth position on a season that really looked like at times could have been so much better. Audi 
just a couple of Audis running at various times during the year, but they're in fifth. Porsche in fourth. BMW in third. And BMW really, to me, looking uh, very good towards the end of the season and took, in fact, took the final race at Road Atlanta. Mercedes AMG, the powerhouse team in terms of cars sold. Uh, and remember, it was only a year ago that they brought that huge uh, unit to uh, Petit Le Mans and immediately sold eight cars into the paddocks around the IMSA series. But it was Ford, the Blue Oval, who uh, just shaded the Manufacturer Championship courtesy of a good start to middle part of the season. Uh, Sebring win, Mid-Ohio win, Watkins Glen win, CTMP win and Road America win. That was the bulk of the points scored on the season and a six-point win for Ford. I have the suspicion that they aren't going to have it their own way. In fact, they didn't have it their own way for the season. I mean, all of those wins looks very impressive, Shea, but actually only a six-point win, six-point margin come the end of the year. Well, and when you break it down to the forward wins, you've got Sebring, Mid-Ohio, and CTMP that came at the hands of the core organization. Watkins Glen was multimatic when it was uh, Chad McCombie and Pat Gallagher. And no, it was Road America. Yes, Road America was the one that was the Volt racing team. Correct. So they did get their wins, but they were from different people. Yes. So they didn't really have the fluidity within one team to go out there and win. It was a lot of different teams doing it in different fashions. When you look at Mercedes, for example, the wins at Lime Rock, VIR, and WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca all came at the hands of our champions. Yeah, absolutely right. Before we leave Ford, though, we should say an interesting programme from Ford using the IMSA uh, GS, the GT4 category, as a proving ground and a practice ground for some of its young drivers from other categories. And that has proven to be very smart indeed. Yeah. Well, uh, the best example that I can think of is Chase Briscoe. Mm -hmm. He ran in the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge this year. He won the NASCAR race in Xfinity at the Roval. So it was his experience turning left and right in the Ford Mustang that helped him win in the, well, Ford Mustang. Yeah. And Cole Custer has has done a similar job as well. Uh, He he was uh, part of And they rotated some of those guys through. They weren't doing uh, the full series. Austin Sindrick jumped in as well at one stage, does he not? He he did two races. He ran at Daytona and at Road Atlanta. Uh, Ty Majeski did quite a few races driving alongside Scott Maxwell. He was impressive as well, actually, Ty Majeski. He really was. They they brought in a, a variety of drivers to sort of whet their appetite with sports cars, and it was it paid in dividends. Uh, let's talk about the team's championship. Uh, you've mentioned uh, some of the Ford guys there, but once again, a spread of teams that any championship would be happy to have in their paddock. Uh, Multimatic, uh, Roush Performance, big, big names. Marillo Racing, absolutely died in the wool. IMSA Racing, Vault Racing, they're also now, Alan Brynjolfsson's team, uh, are establishing themselves. Stephen Cameron Racing ended up in 10th position. Carbon Motorsports in 5th. RS1, again, people who we've seen in this championship in other categories down through the uh, the years. Bimmer World stepping up into the GS category with the new BMW M4 GT4. And, of course, Team TGM, our champions, Ted Giovannis Motorsport. Right the way through the year, it was 
the 46 car that win the teams in the Drivers' Championship. But right the way through the year, that was a four-driver, two-car team that were working towards a single goal, and it paid off. It's so true. They they came out of the beginning of the year thinking, okay, this will be fun. We'll learn how to run these cars. We'll learn how to how to work well together. And once it clicked, which ultimately was Lime Rock Park, that was the first real showing of strength from the team on the year. That was their first win. They weren't off the podium again until the final round of the season when all they needed to do was finish the race to win the champion well start the race to win the championship it was an incredible display of consistency and team performance they they lost a crew member back at sebring which was weighing heavy on their hearts all year one of their crew members wives who passed away and they just stepped up to the plate, TGM, getting not only their first team win, but the first championship win at Lime Rock, went on to finish third at Road America, another win at VIR when it was great strategy and driving when the rain came out of nowhere. And they stayed out on the slicks when everybody else came into pit and then realized rain tires were a bit too premature for the conditions. They got the surprise win at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca when everybody else was running out of fuel, as they tend to do on the last lap. It was just a great season for Hugh Plum and Owen Trinkler. Um, getting on for a hundred different drivers in the championship across the year, and by my calculations, only Daniel... 100, Go on. 140, actually, John, really? did at least one race in 2018, which is up from 116 wow in 2017 and 120 the year before that so the addition to tcr clearly made a big difference oh sorry i'm only talking about gs i'm only talking about gs in uh, uh, drivers so getting up for 100 gs drivers oh. and by my reckoning only daniel morad who was placed in 73rd position didn't score any points <laughs> uh, because he didn't actually drive. He didn't drive the car, exactly. Yeah. So yep. he's listed. So wow. Nick Longy, James Sofranas and George Kurtz uh, finished joint at 71st. And Nick Longy's down in 72nd. I don't see how that works, but okay, fine. Uh, but they all scored <laughs> seven points. Uh, and other than that, everybody else has scored points, which I think is fantastic. Wow. Um, I mean, where do you start? Um, Hugh Plum and Owen Trinkler our champions, uh, a steady first half of the season and then it explodes from Lime Rock onwards. They take the win at Lime Rock, have another great finish at Road America, back-to-back wins at VIR and WeatherTech Raceway, uh, Laguna Seca. Then, really, all they had to do was start the race at Road Atlanta. Now, that doesn't look like a stellar year, but it was that consistency. Uh, they were, I think, only time they weren't on the podium, and correct me if I'm wrong, was at Road Atlanta, the final race of the, the season. But the problem was that everyone, it was so tight that even people like Nate Stacey and Kyle Marcelli, ultimately second in the championship, who got a couple of wins on the season, they couldn't put a run together because there were so many other teams and drivers and cars in there, some battling for the championship, some not. And I think particularly of the Winwood team, who had a, a you know, great set of results at various stages of the season and were running at the front of the field, but couldn't put a run together. It was so hard for anybody behind Hugh Plum and Owen Trinket in the second half of the season to actually start pegging those points back. Well, and, and the big difference maker was that for Hugh Plum and Owen Trinkler, their worst finish this season, 11th, came in the last round of the championship when they already had it sealed up. Yeah. Connor Marcelli and Nate Stacey had a terrible Daytona. They yes. only scored eight points, considering that everybody else scored 
on average 25 or above, that's a big deficit to overcome. Then they had to pit late in the race at Road America for fuel when the team had worked so hard to rebuild the car that had been utterly destroyed in practice. So that was a bit of a gut check. For James Clay and Tyler Cook, those two guys had great consistency at the start of the year. They got three out of four podiums by the time we were halfway through the year. And then, of course, the big win at the end of the year. I'm watching them for next year, by yes. the way, gentlemen, in the BMW. Uh, they they've got the momentum. Performers. Well, I, I, they've, I, they've, sorry, she go ahead. I was going to say, they, they do have that momentum on their side, and they struggled with the car earlier on in the year, despite what the podium results show, to try and get a good handle on the new M4. Showing their performance at the Fox Factory 120, they've got that handle now. Yeah, that car looks a very, very nice platform indeed. And, you know, we know those guys can get the performance out of it. Uh, felt a little bit for Spencer Pumpelli and Dylan McEvan uh, in fourth place in the ja- Drivers' Championship. Uh, took the first win of the season at Daytona in the uh, the longer race, of course. Uh, and uh, really, that was, I mean, that was their high point of the year, although they had a decent finish in there at Road America on the podium uh, again there. It does seem to me, though, that the the issue that most people had over the year was just you couldn't afford to have a bad result. Uh, When Hugh Plum and Owen Trinkler were being so consistent that even on a bad day, they were still getting on the podium, they were still getting the big haul of points, that you couldn't afford to finish down the field. And the, the issue was there were a lot of top six, a lot of top ten cars, never mind a lot of top six cars out there this year. Yeah, and you could afford to have maybe one okay weekend. You couldn't afford to have two. And that was the big difference when you look at the point schematic for everybody across the season. So Dylan McAvern and and Spencer Pumpelli had a bad Canadian Tire Motorsport Park and a bad VIR. James Clay and Tyler Cook had a bad VIR and a bad Road America. You just look through the way that people finished out. If you had one bad race you might still be up in the points. If you had two, now you're out of it. Now, we might be a little biased. No, we are a little biased because Owen Trinkler's been part of the IMSA radio team at various stages over the last couple of seasons, and so we've got to know him and TGM fairly well. We don't play favourites, but what I will say, and those of you who haven't listened to Owen Trinkler's long one that we recorded just before he clinched the championship, go and look it up on the Radio Le Mans archive, RadioLeMond.com archive, because that man was born to race and win at particularly Road Atlanta, so it was very, very apposite that he should get the championship confirmed there. But honestly, like last season in the Nissan Ultima with Sarah Catanio, the second half of the season was what won them the championship. That Lime Rock onwards, run, first, second, first, first, all right, 11th. But the job was done after yeah. after uh, WeatherTech race with Laguna Seca. And Hugh Plum, those guys have gelled brilliantly. Uh, not necessarily the way things might have, have been at the start of the year. It was uh, thought by a number of people that uh, Owen would be driving with Ted Giovannis and Hugh would be driving uh, with... Um, Guy, Cosmo. Guy Cosmo, thank you. Um, however, there was a bit of a chat before the start of the year. Things were changed around, and 
it's played out for them. And you, I've got to say, you've got to be happy for Ted Giovannis. He's he's exactly the sort of team owner that that yeah, I mean, he's taken on the might of Ford supported teams here and and won a championship. I'm ecstatic for Ted when they won the race at Lime Rock, their first ever team win. He was bouncing like a kid on Christmas. He was happier than if he had driven the car himself. Because yeah, as you mentioned, two cars, one team. And Ted Giovannis and I sat next to each other at the Road Racing Dinner Club for Owen Trankler's guest back in Daytona, back in January. And we were talking about what are you hoping from the year? And, you know, just to have a lot of fun, to to enjoy driving race cars, to be included in this part of a family not only were they included in the paddock family they were the best team at the end of the day and that's all that they would have wanted coming out of the season they are coming back next year they've already announced their livery for next year if you have not seen it go stare at it for a couple of hours because you won't be able to tear your eyes away and i can't wait to see what team tgm does in 2019 a uh, couple of honourable mentions here. The McLarens, I, I mentioned, perhaps they might have had a, a better season. The uh, Compass Racing Team and Mia Motorsports in action. Um, at times, quite a lot of the time, they had very fast cars, one other or both of them. It just didn't seem to translate into the results when they had the performance advantage. Knowing both of those teams, I, I think they'll take a little bit of heart from that. Paul Holton had a couple of brilliant runs. The Mia team had a couple of brilliant runs uh, as as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll see those guys back next year. Well, I think back to Road America when the Compass car was racing in the lead. I think it was about three laps to go. And it was um, Matt Plum who had a, a fairly sizable off. And we were just hoping that he was going to be okay brought the car back around, uh, that should have been a win for that team. And then Mia, leading at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca, when the wheel came off. Oh, literally, the yeah. Literally fell off, uh, bounced over the wall sort of thing. You've got to feel for those two teams because that right there, two opportunities to win for McLaren, two opportunities out the window, they're going to want to come back. The last McLaren win came at uh, Road Atlanta a year ago for Mia, and before that, it was at Circuit of the Americas for Compass. So these teams know how to win, both of them. They just need to do it. Automatic racing with Aston Martin. Nice to see them back, often with a couple of cars uh, as well. New Aston to come along, of course, in GT4. We wait to see whether they take up the uh, the option of, of, of having one of those in the championship for next year. There may be a little bit of an issue with getting that car homologated because as far as I'm aware, it's not going for its GT4 homologation in time for the start of the IMSA season. Quick word about... Uh, Winwood as well. Um, the two AMG cars, various times getting banged up by uh, Bryce and Russell Ward, and the team working incredibly hard over the season. Damien Faulkner, who helped put that together and bring Bryce and uh, Russell from club races to an international series, he is going to pass this new. We don't know where yet, but uh, has decided to call time uh, on his uh, on his engagement with Winwood, And he'll be a big loss to that team because the 
not just the driving. We accept that all of these uh, drivers who are employed to be a driver here can do the driving job. It's what else they bring. And, and quite clearly, the amount of work that Damien had put in behind the scenes with Bryce and Russell have moved their, their driving talents on exponentially this year. Yeah, well, both cars, both uh, sets of teams, the uh, red and silver and black machine, as well as the blue and silver car, both of them made their way to the podium over the course of yeah. the year. And that is because of the work that you do outside of the racetrack, learning how to qualify, watching the tapes back, looking at the data. You need to spend time doing homework. You can't just show up at the track and go fast. And a lot of that comes from having a very good driver slash coach like Damian Faulkner. So wherever he lands, we'll look to see that team flourishing as well. But we expect to see Winward back in 2019. Possibly only with one car. I think uh, Bryce is talking about stepping away. We mentioned BMW, a couple of other German manufacturers. Got to say, consistent, possibly rather stealthy performances by uh, Audi. Uh, got a little bit of BOP help part of the way through the season and immediately used that and used it well. Well, I, I did an event in Atlanta with Steve Dynan and had the mm. opportunity to speak to him for some time. Engine he builder the, extraordinaire, by the way. Yes, and the genius sitting on the carbon pit wall, he said they will be back next year. But looking oh, through the finishing order this year, the Audi just always seemed to be there, thereabouts. They did get a podium earlier in uh, late in the year at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. Look for them to continue that momentum because they seem to have a lot of top fives this year that just sort of flew under the radar. Uh, Porsche. Um, we mentioned uh, Spencer Pompelli, Dylan McEvan earlier on. Porsche had a quiet year, but there is a new car coming from them as well for 2019. Uh, just didn't seem to have the pace of the newer GT4s this year. It is one of the older spec cars, the GT4, even the MR. You got the to Cayman, keep that in yeah. mind. But but going from winning the championship last year to finishing fourth this year, they did get the big win at Daytona. They got a handful of podiums on the season. It's not enough to satisfy Porsche, though. So they're going to be looking to rectify their position at the top of the charts. I actually thought they did a pretty good job uh, in picking up the points that were on offer. Uh, fourth position in the Drivers' Championship for Spencer and, and Dylan. Uh, all right, uh, Drivers of the Year, is it the Drivers or does it have to be a team award to TGM as far as GS mm. and the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge is concerned? Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. Just looking down the, the list of drivers, it really is the consistent, and everybody in Team TGM, not just the over-the-wall crew, but the people sitting on the box making the decisions, the crew members, the mechanics going out over the wall to do the tire changes, everybody in that family, for me, yeah. would get the honorable mention. But I would also say, special shout-out to Dean Martin from yes. the core motorsport organization, I don't think he actually has any fingernails left. Uh, and I think he's had a pretty lax off season to try and bring his heart rate back down from Kyle Marcelli. Almost, well, did run out of gas after he crossed the start-finish line north of the border up in Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, where Dean famously said to me, might as well send the record to get him because he's not making it to the podium. That was a great quote. It was a great quote. Um, we will look back... 
uh, very fondly share at this season of Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge being the very final season. Uh, very worthy winners in TGM, Hugh Plum and Owen Trinkler. But as we said right at the start of, of this programme, it's not just been about one season. Consistently, great entertainment, great excitement. And once again this year, as in previous years, drama right down to the last, sometimes the very last lap, but certainly the last laps of all of the races. We never knew who was going to win until it popped up on the timing screen Correct. after the checkered flag. Because even if a car perhaps crossed the line on well, our vision, it didn't necessarily mean that they had won the race. It was a fantastic year of Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge racing. But as you said, we're going to miss the Continental part of that series name. They have been such great ambassadors for the sport. And every single person in this paddock has a special place in their heart for Continental Tire, as do I. Uh, it will be the IMSA Michelin Pilot Challenge for 2019. Uh, one or two other detailed changes which we'll tell you about uh, in the run-up to the start of the season on uh, IMSA Radio and across the RSL uh, network of channels. Uh, it should be said that our development series have been fantastic as well. And one thing we can tell you that won't change for 2019 and amongst all the things that will be slightly or significantly different is that you'll be able to hear all of those races live and without any interruption on RS2 IMSA Radio. The vast majority of them too, live in sound and vision without any block or break. Thanks to Jeremy Shaw and to Shea Adam and various other of our team for helping us out throughout the year. It's been a fantastic season in the IMSA Development Series. This has been a special programme for Radio Show Limited. I'm John Hindhoff. Bye-bye. This programme is a production of IMSA and Radio Show Limited. For more, visit RadioLeMond.com.